Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, welcome to the Football Writers Podcast. My name's Mike Calvin. I'm joined by Darren Lewis of the Daily Mirror and Adrian Clark of thepremierleague.com. They need a miracle in the Champions League. They're worried about Lincoln City in the FA Cup, and they're fifth in the Premier League. Yet the big news at Arsenal is that Arsene Wenger has shaken hands with Alexis Sanchez at training. Sums it up, doesn't it, Darren? It pretty much does, um, because another star player at, at Arsenal is considering his future because of the lack of achievement, because of the mid-season malaise that always sets in, which sees him tumble out of the title race, the Champions League, uh, maybe claw a bit of a ground back in the FA Cup and uh, the, odd, the customary strong finish. But essentially, as far as Sanchez is concerned, I think this could be a game-changer. I think as far as Sanchez is concerned, he is the club's best player. He didn't play against Liverpool, which for everybody's money is yeah. a remarkable... Uh, Apparently, the press Wenger. room at Anfield almost went silent. It was People couldn't believe it. Yeah, I would imagine they've seen some big decisions and big uh, suicide notes <laughs> in, <laughs> in recent years. But that's... You know, that reminded me of Hullet leaving out Shearer uh, in, for the... Uh, uh, the Newcastle game against, I think, Sunderland. Sunderland, yeah, yeah. The Derby game, yeah. And um, I think as far as Van Gogh is concerned, it smacked a panic for me uh, because even if you fall out with your big players, as we've seen in football, we've seen with Ranieri, your job is to manage your dressing room and your big players. And I think as far as Wenger is concerned, he's losing him and I think it will result in Arsenal losing the player. Mm. To play devil's advocate, mm. um, from Wenger's point of view, um, he had to make a stand of sorts but does Ars do Arsenal need the sort of passion that Alexis represents? Well, yes, of course they do. I think everybody recognises that Alexis is Arsenal's best player. He's been their player of the season. And anybody that thinks that him causing trouble reportedly behind the scenes at the training ground is down to him being a winner and that everybody else isn't on the same wavelength, then I think they need to, to think about that because that, that, that won't be true. It won't be true. The, the, the Arsenal dressing room is made up of different characters. They're, they're, they've won things at, at various clubs that they've been at. And I think it's, it's wrong to assume that, that he is a player that's you know, made in a certain way, that's, that's, that's inbuilt to win and the others aren't. That's not true. But if a player is causing one or two issues, if he's misbehaving in training, if he's not listening to the manager, if he walks off, as it has been reported at mid-session in a bit of a huff, I think the manager has to do something about it. You can't just ignore it. But I think if he had his chance again, Arsene Wenger, then he wouldn't have left him out of this game. Or, or, or you're damned if you do, damned if you don't, in it, aren't you? You either make a stand and drop him and don't take him to Liverpool, mm. and everyone then knows why, mm. 
or because but, but he was basically blamed for what people looked at as a tactical mistake. It, there was no tactical justification. I know that, that Arsene tried to paint it in that way. I could find, I can find no tactical reason to leave Alexis out of the first team. Certainly not for a game like that. Um, do you do you do nothing or do do you act? He made a bold a bold choice. What I would do, I think, is with Alexis is because he's such a special player and you just have to find a way to manage him, find a way to make it work, get to the root cause of the problem and deal with it man to man behind the scenes and try and reassure him that he is part, that, that we will do our very best to, to accommodate your needs. And if at the end of all that, Alexis Sanchez says, I don't want to be here. I don't think Arsenal will get a, can match my ambitions. I don't think the players around me are good enough. If he feels like that, at the end of you've tried everything, then you sell him. It's as simple as that because the club players will come and go. The club stays. PSG, do you think? I, do you know, I personally think he could yet stay in this country. A player with a year left on his contract. Why would some of the cash-rich clubs <clears throat> in this country not suggest to Arsenal? that if we give you the money that enables you don't lose him on a free in January, and the power, let's not kid mm. ourselves, is with Sanchez. Mm. Why would, from a business point of view, Arsenal not take it? I find it inconceivable. And all these people suggesting, oh, no, Wenger's in control, he'll let him run his contract down. No way on earth would Arsenal allow a 40, 50, 60 million pound asset mm. to basically walk out of the door for nothing. No chance, I think. If one of the clubs in this country Chelsea, I know, are interested in monitoring the situation very closely. City could, if they wanted to. Mourinho would take him at the drop of a hat at Manchester United. If one of those clubs were to present Arsenal in the summer with 40 to £50 million pounds and say, we'll take him off your hands, Arsenal have to listen to them. But if that happened, the fans would be over the barricades. Yeah, they've been there and done that, haven't yeah, they? Well, 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 exactly. That's yeah. the reason why it could happen. Because Wenger said many times, we will not sell to our rivals. Mm. He basically gift-wrapped Robin Van Persie. It, to Manchester United. Yeah, I think I think if Fabregas, cliche. It's happened. It's <laughs> happened so many times, and, and it hasn't worked, and and uh, they've got pelters for it, and I, for that reason, they I got just money don't for it. it. Yeah, they did, but I don't think that it's about the money at the moment. I think it's about the player. You want they want to keep him because he's their best player, but ultimately, if he really wants to leave, and if he really wants to, uh, doesn't feel happy at Arsenal, then they have to sell him. But what they have to do is also patch up their relationship publicly so that then they're not held to ransom by... by what happens if he says, I don't want to go to PSG, I don't care how much they offer me, well, I, think... I want to stay in this country? I, I, well, I don't... Yes, that, that, is, that is a possibility and, that, and that's what's happened in the past. Robin Van Persie is a, is a case in point, isn't it? So, look, the difficult situation lies ahead. Um, but, look, it's in everybody's interest to, to try and make this relationship work in the short term, get to the end of the season and then reassess. Look, when I watch the, the, the team, I don't see, it on a match day, I don't see a massive issue with Alexis Sanchez and the other players. I think there's nothing, nothing obvious there. I don't think uh, relationships are irreparable, that's for sure. I just, I just hope that they can get to the end of the season and continue, well, continue with Alexis's strong performances and then, and then reassess. Can I just slightly just break down our brief friendship here? Um, I think as far as Sanchez is concerned, he has been consistent in the kind of things he's come out with in the last couple of seasons. At the end of last season, I think it was, he said, look, we shouldn't be happy with just the FA Cup. This is a huge club and we should be aspiring to win the title. He's questioned other players' commitment and he said, look, we shouldn't be satisfied with second, third, fourth best. I think also as far... And so, and so when I look elsewhere in the team, and we've all said it, when you yeah. they, are, they have a fantastic squad at Arsenal, mm. 
I've been on this show before and said they've possibly had their best squad for years. Yeah, All the of the areas the where people have asked Arsene Wenger to buy, he's brought in a world-class goalkeeper, still, Czechies. He's brought in Mustafi at centre-half. He's brought in Xhaka. OK, he can't tackle, but we'll allow him that, you know, mm. at midfield. See, he's I, th I, think the money. They, I think their recruitment's been poor. <laughs> if, you, if you look at Xhaka as, a, as an example, to me, there have been two busts in the recruitment market this year, mm. and they've both been in North London. Mm. Moussa Sissoko at Tottenham yes. and Zaka at, at Arsenal. I don't, I don't see what he gives to that team. He hasn't, <coughs> he hasn't been fulfilling the role, that sort of defensive midfield role that he was bought for at a lot of money. I would agree with you in, in, in so much as the quality of the player. He hasn't lived up to expectations, but Wenger has moved to give himself options in every area of the pitch. And so, for my money, I look at... The, the squad, and you look at the steel, for example, in the squad at Chelsea. You look at the steel in the squad at Spurs, are vastly inferior in terms of options depth, all over the pitch, yeah. the depth. But Arsenal don't have that, that inner belief. They don't have that core. Sanchez, for me, does. And I think that's why it's frustrating. And I was at the Bournemouth game when they drew 3-3. At the end of that game, you're saying that you've not seen it before. Well, yes. He was so angry no, at the end of that game. And I think this is at the root cause of the issue. I think, I think Arsene Wenger doesn't like these public shows of dissatisfaction towards his teammates. You you have but to be together. But it's not up to Alexis. It's not he's not Dallas did the same he, he years might, ago. We might we might rate Alexis Sanchez as a better player than them. But it isn't for him to start slaughtering his teammates. You've mm. got to be in it together in a team and you can't have one player that is basically letting the whole world know that that I'm doing my job, the rest of you are no good. And and I think that, that is something that needs clamping. You down watch on. a lot of them, Adrian. Mm. And you've been in dressing rooms mm. yourself. Do you feel that the human chemistry of that football club is so, right? Something's not quite right. I, I, I must say that. From what I see, I don't know. I, I'm not at the training ground. I don't, I'm not an employee of the club. Um, but from what I see, and I, and I watch every single game, that is one area that, that they're short on compared to their, to their rivals at the moment. I don't see a collective unit that is as strong as some of the other teams. I don't see... A happy group of players, if I'm being perfectly honest. I don't see a group of players that are prepared to go the extra mile to cover their mate. Yeah. And that, I think, is, is at the root cause of Arsenal's issues at the moment. Tal their talent, I believe, is high. I think it's as high as most of the clubs in, the, in and around the top six. But as a collective unit, as a resilient group of players, they're short compared to the others. You see, this has yeah. stopped you if you've heard this one before, because Henri left for the same reason. Fabregas wanted to win things, he left for that reason. Van Persie wanted to leave for that reason. Talented group of players, mm. no steel, no heart, no core, no ability to be able to roll up their sleeves and cope and fight when the going gets tough. That's the problem Arsenal had year in, year out. Yeah, the other big news today, apart from that handshake, of course, <laughs> is that uh, BT Sport have uh, sealed the deal mm. so that Champions League now for the next four years on, on the channel mm. or channels. Uh, in that context, the first game obviously is Arsenal Bayern mm. uh, on Tuesday. Is that going to be the same old, same old? A nice heroic 2-0 win? I don't know. I, I just don't see Arsenal being able to turn this game around. Bayern Munich are, are an elite club and I think we saw a big or an elite team at the moment. Arsenal should be at the same level as Bayern Munich. They should be. And unfortunately, I think what we saw in that first leg is a golfing class at the moment. And perhaps that's why we will see a rebuild of sorts moving forwards after this summer. I, don't, I, I think we're probably all guilty in a way of may, maybe overestimating the qualities of, of this Arsenal squad. And maybe the Arsene Wenger 
has as well. Um, if, if he's a lot, his critics will, will will list a long list of, of of things that he could have done better. But one thing that I think I could say as a fan watching, I feel as if he could have been a bit tougher with the players and a bit more ruthless when they haven't delivered for him. He loves to trust the guys. He loves to give show faith in them. And I think that there have been too many performances where they they just haven't delivered and. If he had the chance again, and maybe he would have been a bit more ruthless and, and dropped a few players and rattled some cages because they've had it easy. Mm. And, and I think that is one of the reasons why that, that they're perceived as being soft. Yeah. Mm. I, 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 one of the things you know, that this uh, four-year deal begs is within the, that time frame, mm. can you see an English club winning the Champions League again? Yes. I think Chelsea have the steel. I think they've got the manager. I think they've got the belief to go on and win the Champions League, absolutely. Because um, they'll strengthen in the summer, won't they? They will indeed. Uh, say, I wouldn't be surprised if they were to make a cheeky move for, for Sanchez. I think mm. they want Kaladu Koulibaly, the centre-half, mm. who's been impressive for Napoli. They'll move to get uh, options in midfield. I think as far as Cesc Fabregas is concerned, they'll try to sign him. Uh, uh, they'll have a look possibly, uh, at replacing him, I, I should say, even though he wants to stay at the club. Um, yes, I absolutely think that's the case. Mm. With the rest of the, this week, the tie that really intrigues me is, is Barcelona and PSG. 4-0. Mm. Barcelona are the sort of team who can get that back. They are. I think this. <laughs> it seems bizarre. I've written off Arsenal's chances of, of, of coming back against Bayern. I just think that's... They can't keep a clean sheet in that game, or very unlikely to. Uh, with Barcelona, you wouldn't be surprised, would you, to score if they scored four in this game? But but PSG were so good in that first game, and I think tactically they nailed it to such a degree, especially in the heart of that midfield with Verratti, uh, at the core of it, Rabiot. They were so strong in there. Actually, I don't know if Barcelona can overturn it because there was such a gulf in, in the engine room. So... For that reason, I would say that it's unlikely, but if anyone could do it, it's MSN, isn't it? What's quite interesting is that no team has ever overcome a deficit of four goals or more in the knockout stages of the Champions League. But with Bayern Munich, they have lost only three times all season, none of them at home. And I, I think that, well, they've scored 14 goals in the last three games. They beat Cologne away from home at the weekend easily. I think people are saying heroic second leg win for Arsenal. I don't think so. I think they'll get beaten again in the second leg. PSG have lost four times this season. All of those defeats have come away from home. And I think, I think you're right. They may not overturn it, but I think Barcelona are at home. Now that Luis Enrique's fate has been sealed, he's leaving at the end of the season, that MSN, they'll give it a proper And that, go. by the way, mm -hmm. with Enrique making his decision early, is exactly what Arsenal haven't done with Wenger. Yes. You know, it's quite interesting. Part of the problem, you know, guys, is that mm. it, the governance at the club, if you look behind the scenes, David Dean left in 2007. Who's come in that's replaced him? Gazidis has come in. Well, Arsene Wenger signed that off. Um, Dick Law, I mean, the, 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 apparently the guy who's supposed to be negotiating were when Fabregas and Nasri left, I think it was 2011, he was trying to sign Joel Campbell. <laughs> Look what he's done for the club. Yeah. I, I think that the, the governance at the club is a big part of what the problem is. And, and I think as far as making a decision, how could you leave yourself, just like that situation with Nasri and Fabregas, how could you leave yourself in a situation like this where Wenger could leave at the end of the season and the club appear not to have a clue how to replace yeah, just, uh, on that, I just think uncertainty is never a positive 
thing in a football club uh, for a football team. Uncertainty has never improved a football team. So I think from from Arsenal's point of view, as soon as there is clarity whether the manager is staying or whether he is moving on, the sooner the better. Because then footballers like to know what's going on. They like that they're creatures of habit. They don't like to feel in limbo. And I think it's very hard as a team actually to perform to your absolute maximum when you're not quite sure who's going to be in charge. I think there are very clear reasons why they need to sort it out as well. Obviously Ozil, obviously Sanchez, Oxlade-Chamberlain, there are a number of players at that mm. club whose contracts are running down, they'll have a year left in the summer. Chelsea had Conti signed in the April of last season. They had a clear idea about the direction they were going in for that transfer window in the summer in relation to the players' contracts as well. Arsenal are a rudderless ship at the moment. Mm basically galvanised and, and, and sort of drifting on sentiment towards their manager who gets them in the top four. As we've agreed, that's not good enough. <laughs> yeah. Looking us. elsewhere mm. in Europe, uh, Dortmund uh, uh, one down against Benfica. There'll be a lot more um, attention on Tuchel now, won't there, because of you know, these persistent Arsenal links. Can you yeah. see him coming to England? Um, maybe, one day. I wouldn't say he was on the short, short list for the Arsenal job at the moment. I don't think he has done quite enough at Dortmund. He hasn't really closed that gap between between themselves and Bayern Munich. I like him. I like the football that they play. But, um, yeah, I think he probably needs a couple more years. I, I believe Dortmund will probably overturn that particular tie. They battered Benfica. It was quite funny, really. Aubameyang is a great player, isn't he? I love, love watching him. He's, he's a top striker, but he just had an absolute stinker in front of goal. I, I can't imagine that that will be repeated um, on home turf. So I think, I think Dortmund will go through, but... Tuchel will manage in the Premier League, I'm sure of it, but I, I think that would be quite a gamble from Arsenal to, to take him. Why? I just feel that they could possibly do with a change of direction, I think, in terms of... I, I like Allegri. If, 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 if there was to be a change, mm. I really like the look of Allegri. I like, I like the, the, the style of football. I like the, the tactical aspect of his game. I think he's proven over a longer period than somebody like mm -hmm. Tuchel. So if there was to be a change, that would he would be top of my wish list. Yeah, yeah. Tottenham, a club that you know well, Darren. Um, Pochettino being mentioned in dispatches for Barcelona. Now there's the obvious complication of his Espanol background, but could you see him going to Barcelona at some stage? At some stage, not in the near future, uh, maybe down the line, uh, if some of the big plans and big ambitions that he's got for Spurs are realised. Um, How big are those ambitions? Well, they're about to move into a new stadium. He wants to win something with his young side. He wants to win the title. He's tried twice in the last two seasons, uh, come close, but obviously just fallen short. But before his arrival at the club, they're a Europa League club. You know, they were nearly men with their noses pressed up against the glass. Totally changing mentality at the club. Opened up that pathway for young players to come through to the first team. Um, got Spurs fans to think differently about the way they perceived their club. And the way that he kind of dismissed the Barcelona links for now last week were quite impressive if you got a Spurs connection. I wrote about it for the Mirror today. Because he said, we are Tottenham Hotspur. You know, we are a huge club. We've got fantastic players. We play exciting football. We've managed to get in between Chelsea and the other clubs with better resources than we have. And we've, we've got a solid defensive system. We've got a world-class striker. As far as 
the, the defence is concerned. I think it's the joint best or maybe even the best at the moment in the Premier League. And we are undefeated. They haven't got over the line yet, have they? I think they're very impressive. I, but I we're agree. talking about where they are now. Oh, no, and no. I think Spurs fans can be happy about their club now than they, Arsenal fans. They've got to start winning oh, yeah. pressure games. Like, I thought yeah. they were really timid when they lost to Liverpool, weren't they? Yeah, look, I, I rate Pochettino. I think he's the real deal. Very impressive. Uh, the style of football is excellent. And he's built a collective there that, that is to be admired. But... Until they win something, until they can go over that line together for him and for the players, there'll always be that slight, that slight question mark. This, then they have to do it, don't they? They have to win the FA Cup, really, this season. I think that they're, and, and finish second. Or, they're not going to win the league. I think another, a runners-up spot would be success of sorts and the FA Cup. But um, until they win something, it's, you, can't, you can't put him at the very top of the tree until, until they've won trophies. See, I think there's a real... And it's almost going unnoticed, and I think it's one of the big barometers, in, in, if you like, by which you can measure Pochettino. They are on course to finish above Spur, uh, above Arsenal. Mm. No St. Totteringham's Day. <laughs> no St. <laughs> Totteringham's Day. And yet, and yet, Spurs fans aren't really talking about it. They're looking up. They're thinking. They're looking at the FA Cup, a winnable home tie against uh, uh, Millwall. And I think. As far as Spur Arsenal are concerned, they could finish outside. They've just gone four. out of the Europa League to get. Yeah, but the Arsenal could finish outside the top no, four. No, I know, but they've just gone out of the Europa League to get. So Pochettino isn't this super manager. I don't think we. It was only a couple of weeks ago that, that they were pretty lame over two legs in a tie that he wanted to win. Mm. Let's be honest. Manchester United want to win the Europa League desperately, just in case. How important is the Europa League to United? It's pretty important, isn't it? Because I, I think. They're up against it to finish in the top four. It's going to be really close, isn't it? Liverpool, Manchester United, Arsenal. I think they're probably the teams battling it out for the fourth. I would put Spurs. I don't think there will be a St Totteringham's Day this year. It pains me to say it, <laughs> but uh, I think based on what I've seen so far, I think I think Spurs have got a better team this year. So um, and City are flying. So so yeah, look, they're up against it. They've got a great chance, I think, of winning the Europa League. I think this is a trickier tie than, than a lot of people imagine. Rostov. Rostov. Yeah. They're not having a great season domestically, I don't think. But they've got a lot of players that have, that have succeeded in European competition before. I was listening to Andy Brass, who knows his stuff about these things. And he, and he was saying, look, don't, don't, don't write them off. They're, they're, not, they're not a Mickey Mouse team. So I think, and the travelling will play its part. You're absolutely right. I think one of the... We talked about the, the fact that... Um, Bayern had only lost three games all season. One of those games was to Rostov. Yeah. And Rostov are, as you say, a very good side. They can score goals defensively. They're sound. I think as far as Manchester United are concerned, what works in their favour is that they're, 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 they are building mentality. Let's not kid ourselves. They haven't been particularly impressive but they are undefeated in the Premier League since October. They've lost only once in that time, and that was to Hull. Um, they've got a striker up front who, even if they play badly, knows where the goal is. Uh, I think that Manchester United will go there and give a good account of themselves. Mm. As a former player, Adrian, what did you make of the mayhem at Old Trafford on Saturday <laughs> with... Um, Tyrone Mings walking into Zlatan's elbows. <laughs> That's a classic, wasn't it, from Zlatan? <laughs> Great straight face from him. Uh, fair play. I think that Zlatan should get a three-game ban for, for retaliation. The most blatant elbow I've seen <coughs> in many a season. My view, and it's not a view that everybody shares, my view is that Tyrone Mings didn't mean to stamp on his head. That, that's how I see it. I think he was off balance. I don't think we, there is any way that we can prove that he deliberately tried to stamp on his head. He's, he's off balance. He's got to put his foot somewhere. It's happening at a rate of knots. I think it was unlucky. Um, 
So I think he should get off. That's my personal opinion, because I don't think he can prove it. But in the heat of battle, now you could see that that was a physical battle. They were jabbering at one another. Surely, surely there has to be aggression involved in that challenge. No, I don't, I, there was a hefty challenge, wasn't there, in the build-up to that. He, he, he cleaned the ball and Rooney. And he, he did clean Rooney out, but it was fair. He took the ball. Uh, and, and it doesn't look good for him in that regard, but I, just, I genuinely don't think you can prove that he deliberately stamped on his head. In my opinion, that, that could easily have been an accident. If he did do it deliberately, then I'd be calling for a six-game ban because mm. it, you can't stamp on somebody's head. I think it's a very hard thing to prove. Um, I also think Kevin Friend, for his performance, should probably sit out the next three or four weeks as well. Isn't it time that our referees were held to account? Um, this select group of referees are in a nice, cosy little club, aren't they? How many of them is there? It's 18 of them, I think. Mm. The, if, they, if they've performed so badly, and it was a shocker of a performance from start to finish, then, then they, need to, they need to be stood down. Uh, you're right, it was a career-definingly bad performance by Kevin Friend. But the other thing that, that struck me, and it's probably a wider issue, that I saw the big players, Rooney, Zlatan in particular, mm. trying to referee the game. They were almost lecturing the mm. official. Mm. That can't be allowed to happen, but it is happening, isn't it? It is. So obviously, you think back to Andy Durso all those years ago, mm. when, they, when he used yeah. to get bullied by the, the likes of Roy Keane and the, and the big players at United back in the day. It's interesting because Kevin Friend, um, and I think it was Anthony Taylor as well, yeah. the whole stag do thing. Yeah. Not very they, bright. That, who was on it? earth are they taking PR advice from? <laughs> you know, I mean, goodness. Apparently they were training over there, weren't they? Yeah, yeah they really were. It's <laughs> <laughs> like that actually. Training their arms. I think as far as um, the timing of that is concerned, horrendous ahead of a Manchester United game. You know, surely someone's got to ring Anthony and say, "Look, are you sure about this?" You know. What do you think he was talking about with Rooney? What was the conversation? I think it might have been one-sided. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, as you know, uh, you may have been saying to Rooney, look, can you speak a bit quiet, please? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, but, but, but they're just all playing a, a role in it. They're, they're all playing a role yeah. in it. If you look at it, uh, that Mings incident, yeah. Rooney afterwards came out and said, yeah, five-game ban, no problem. If you saw a photo, there's a photograph of the actual moment of impact of, of the studs on his head, yeah, I don't like and that. Rooney has got his back to the incident, yeah, yeah. And, he and he's having a go at the yeah, referee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So therefore, he couldn't have seen no, it. No, of course anyway. he didn't. And uh, look, it's, I hate trial by freeze frame. It doesn't, it doesn't tell the whole story. When you freeze an image, and and you see studs on someone's mm. head, of course you're going to call. That's a disgrace. That this player should be banned for life. I understand that. But you play that at full speed, and, I, and he's mid air as as he's losing his balance, Tyrone Mings. He's got to put his foot somewhere. Mm. And it, I'll tell you what, in, it's not that easy to move one leg dramatically to I, your right. I'm going to be honest and say I absolutely disagree with you. I think, you know, if, if that were the case, we'd have footballers stamping on players' heads every week. I think he absolutely can avoid making <laughs> an impact with a fellow professional. Mm. And I, I think that there is an element. Right. We can never know what's in someone's mind in no. a situation mm. like that. And but I definitely think that as far as Tyrone Mings is concerned, the opportunity to avoid Latan's head presents itself yeah. and he doesn't take it. From a football point of view, Adrian, now, yeah, I think we're pretty pretty sure that Zlatan is going to miss the Chelsea yes. FA Cup tie, which is a fantastic game. Yeah, really. How big an impact will that have on Man United? Well, we don't know what they're like without Zlatan. He plays pretty much every game, doesn't he? 
present an opportunity for, for somebody else, Marcus Rashford, to, to make a mark. It's going to be a really difficult tie, I think, for Manchester United to progress from on the back of travelling to Russia, losing their star striker. I think Chelsea have got to be hot favourites for this particular game. But look, Man United have got the resources, they've got mm. the squad, they've got players who can score goals. Rashford, Martial, Rooney, Rooney can all play lead, lead the line. You've got your pick of attacking wide players. So it'll be a really competitive game. But you ask me for who I think are winning, it'll be Chelsea. I think the, the, the problem for Manchester United is you mentioned all those options that they have, but they've got no one who can soak up the pressure quite like Ibrahimovic does and score goals. We talked about the St Etienne game. Yeah. They were terrible in that game, but he scored the hat-trick. We talk about the League Cup. Southampton really put them on the rack, but he scored the goal, uh, the free kick, and then obviously the winning goal. He is a guy who buys them time because he soaks up that pressure. He allows other players to be able to perform, and I think he'll buy them time in the transfer window as well. Chelsea, sorry, United have won only two of their last 15 games at, che yeah. uh, at Chelsea as Stamford Bridge. Big game for Pogba. Big game Big. for him to step mm. up. Absolutely. Tell you what, Paul Pogba was almost as bad as Kevin Friend in that <laughs> other weekend. Honestly, he was. <laughs> if he wasn't Paul Pogba. He would have got the hook after, not long after half-time. And I do think that's a slight issue. I don't think it's a major problem for Jose Mourinho at the moment. But if you're another player, and I read this morning that Juan Mata's been subbed 25 times, Zlatan, no times, um, Fogba, three times. When you see a teammate, whether no matter what they cost, mm. have a stinker and they still they still survive and someone else comes off. It, it does cause a little bit of resentment. I think yeah. moving forwards, Jose would... I'm not going to tell him what to do. He knows what he's doing. Go on, but, tell him. But if it, <laughs> I, my advice would be to take him off every now and again just to create harmony in the camp because it will cause friction. Are we living in an age of almost like the myth of money, the myth of these big transfer fees? Pogba, 89 million. Mm. John Stone's around, was it, 50 million? Mm. Both struggling, both don't impose themselves on the biggest games. Yes, in a word, because if you look at comparable fees paid elsewhere, um, you talked about Xhaka and how unimpressed you were with him and they spent £30-odd million. Pounds. Well, Canty, you know, he was terrific for Leicester last season and he cost, what, £5-6 million. Pounds. I think if you look at Victor Wanyama in the centre of midfield for Spurs, £9 million pounds they paid for him, compare that with the Xhaka money, I think... And you're talking about, well, he's only just got there, give him time. Uh, for John Stones in particular. Mm. Well, look at Toby Alderweireld, the £11.25 million that Spurs paid for him at centre-back. He's possibly been the best defender in the Premier League since his arrival at Spurs. He impressed at Southampton before that. So, yeah, I think we are living in a time of the myth of money. And yeah, I don't want to keep banging on about Spurs, but I'm just mm. using them as, as an example here. They haven't spent the money that City have, and yet they're above them. Uh, OK, the City have got the game in hand, but they are above them. They haven't spent the money that Arsenal have spent, uh, but they're above them. They haven't spent the money that Manchester United have spent. And I love that little exchange between Zlatan and Pogba, where, where the, uh, Pogba says, you know, that's why they bought him. And Zlatan said, bought me? No, I came for free, they bought you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When we're, we're on about Tottenham, you look at... Uh, the importance of Harry Kane, yeah. who's basically everyone's favourite son-in-law, isn't he? <laughs> you know, lovely player. What are the underlying lessons? Because here's a, a boy yeah. at 14, mm. youngest in his age group. Was you know, they sing about he's one of our own, and he was actually almost disowned. Yeah. No, no real speed, physicality, agility, something like 30% less than his peers. Okay. Yet 
he has come on and he is, to me, yeah. the most effective striker in the Premier League. Yeah, well, yeah, I think he's up there, for sure. Yeah. Statistically, that over the last... disagrees with you. Well, I know, yeah. well, <laughs> why not? I, I, yeah, I, still, I would still put Costa and Aguero above, above him if I was to, to, to pick my team, but he would be next in line. I really like Harry Kane. I think he's a brilliant player. Yeah, it, it tells you that you need to be patient with, with young players and that... Everyone peaks at different times. You can't all be a Deli Alley who's mm. unbelievable at 18. Sometimes you need a little bit of coaching. You need time to, to blossom and to grow as a player. And you need the backing of a manager. And in Pochettino, he's had... what Prior to that, was it was it Tim Sherwood that, that gave yes. him his chance? Yes. Um, he had the backing of Tim Sherwood. And Pochettino has really said, you you are my man. Yes. And um, he's responded to that. So, so yeah, look... It is a lesson, but whether other teams will will copy Spurs' mantra, I don't know. But also, Kane is a special talent. I don't think players like him do grow on trees. And I think you could probably look at 19 out of 20 players that were that you would put on a parallel to him at 19, 20, and and the vast majority of them would end up in League One or League Two. So, so it doesn't happen very often. It but it's interesting. Though, what the, the point you made about um, it, that's not pretend Spurs nurtured, brought him through and had this real plan for him. Mm. Adebayo was poor, Soldado was struggling and they had nowhere else to turn. And here there was this kid who was doing it in, in, in the Europa League. And at the time, I remember covering it, the Spurs fans saying, give him a chance. Give him a chance. He can't be any worse than those two. Give him a chance. And it was once Pochettino gave it, sorry, Shelf gave him a chance, and then obviously Pochettino relied on him mm. um, because he had nowhere else to turn. That we they realised that he could and do fans it. Fans love a homegrown player. Yeah. They, 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 yeah. If a homegrown player delivers work rate and a bit of quality, fans will love. Well, it. He's, he's why, also done it the hard way, hasn't he? Because if you think about, it, okay, they're playing Millwall in the FA Cup mm. on Sunday. That'd be a nice, quiet affair, <laughs> I suspect. <laughs> Uh, now, Millwall played a huge role in his education as a footballer. Course, yeah. You know, he went on loan initially to, to Leighton Orient. Mm. And I remember talking to him when he was Young Player of the Year at Millwall. And that's a really difficult place to play. Mm. You know, you've got to give everything of yourself. And they absolutely loved him at the Den. Well, I think that a lot of young players would benefit from having his route to the top, actually. And I think sometimes it is the most talented players that are... Uh, excused of a loan spell it's it's because of their natural gifts they're fast tracked to the first team without actually growing up as a man and, and experiencing other sides of football and Harry Kane did didn't he throughout the leagues he did at Millwall it toughened him up and it, it you could say the same for Deli Alley at, at MK Dons yep that's all he knew at the time, but he, he roughed it. He, he did the hard yards in League One. So, yeah, look, it, goes mm. to, it goes to prove that, that more managers should maybe send them, maybe forget the championship, send them down yeah. to League One mm. and, and, and see what they're made of. I, I saw Dele Alli as a 16-year-old laughing at big, lumbering League Two defenders, <laughs> at Northampton it was, who were trying to kick him over the stand. And it tells, a lot, it tells you a lot about a player's character when you chuck them in. Now, some players mm. who are brought up through the academy system, will, we sent on loan to League One at Millwall, for example, and they'll turn their nose up. They'll be like, yes. what am I doing here? Mm. What am I doing? He's no good. What am I playing with him for? Some players will think like that. Other players will think, this is an opportunity to, to develop my game. And if you've got that mindset and the talent, you'll go far. You've, you've you've written about it, haven't you? And you've you've, you've talked to people and experienced it, and you know it is it is quite interesting to what 
you don't mind me saying that, no, I hope no. you don't mind. But you know, you, what you found, what you found is that for a lot of players, it is a comfort zone. The Premier League is a comfort zone because PRs looking off, look after them. Um, clubs kind of lead them to think that they're in this, this, this fantasy. And when they go down to the Championship and to League One, and they get that difficulty, and they haven't got the opulent surroundings that they're used mm. to at Premier League level, you do find out a lot about their character. Kane is somebody who's thrived on that, and that's a big part of why he's been successful. In so you've got a Manchester City who are spending two hundred million pounds on their academy. At the moment, no products, although they've got some amazing sort of fifteen, sixteen-year-olds coming through. Manchester City at the moment. How will we uh, realistically judge Pep? Does he have to win now, or has he got a year's grace? I think he has to win now. Yeah. I think he has to win now. I mean, because when you... Listen, when they uh, heralded his arrival, he was almost like a rock star. I, think, I thought it was a Bruce Springsteen <laughs> concert. Yeah. You know. <laughs> was a bit, you know, and, and he was seen as the guy who was going to take them a stage further. When you consider where Pep got them you know, to the semi-finals of the Champions League, um, I think as far as Guardiola is concerned... Well, every, I think it's a fact. They brought him in to take them that 10% further. So, yes, he has to win something. And to be fair, they looked in terrific form at the moment. I think they've got 10 away wins so far this season. No team's ever got more, and you would back them to get even more than that because under Pep, they look good going forward. He's taken bold decisions, but they look a good side under him. I, I was really interesting to watch Pep after that you know, pretty ruthless win at, at Sunderland. Yeah. They look doomed, by the way, don't yeah, they? Yeah, definitely. Um, he was really animated. He got hold of Caballero and you know, they were obviously going through mm. some form of incident during the game. Okay. He was really effusive towards David Silva. Mm. Pep's... He, he just, to me, had, had the look of a manager who's got, got it between his he's teeth. He's enjoying it. Yeah, he's enjoying this run they're on. I think he's really enjoying the football that they're producing. He said himself that, OK, we went on this amazing start to the season, but we're better now going forward. And I would, I would agree with that. Going forward, they've been, they've been so good to watch of late. I, I do find him a little bit, little bit arrogant with the media. I do, I do think he's quite dismissive to journalists, and I don't like that side of him. I think it's garbage, some of the stuff he comes out with defending his goalkeepers and mistakes made by defenders in terms of overplaying. I don't get that part of him. Um, but the, the bottom line is, he doesn't need to touch his front five. No. If, he, if he recruits a better keeper and defenders who know how to defend, they'll probably win the title next year because, because that is all that needs fixing there. For that to happen, does Sergio Aguero have to adapt to Guardiola's style? Yes, but at the same time, if you're Aguero, you think to yourself, I'm one of the best strikers in world football. You know, if they don't want me, if they think I'm a substitute, yeah. I'll go elsewhere. He is a big enough player to be able to do that because his numbers Juventus stand Juventus are de desperate for him. Absolutely. I would imagine that Real Madrid would, would take him. There is no logic, really, to Real Madrid's recruitment, <laughs> to be fair, because uh, they've got Karim Benzema is doing very nicely. Thank you. But as far as he is concerned, if he's available on the free market and City don't want to play him uh, on a regular basis, yes. OK, Jesus has kind of done them a favour of being injured, yeah. but... You know, he... I'd like to see the pair of them play together. It'd be great, wouldn't it? I mean, imagine, can you imagine that? Uh, going back to my point about the, the, the defence, the I think simplistically he signs a, a, a group of experienced defenders who know how to defend and a good keeper that win the league. That, that sounds good in theory, but, but what he is fixated on is this notion of defenders being able to play from the back, and we've seen how obsessed he is with that. Now, finding defenders who are grisly 
hard-nosed defenders who are brilliant at that aspect of the game and mm. can play football. I tell you what, there are not many of those around. Mm. So he might have to tweak his ideology a little bit. In theory, he could have taken Virgil van Dijk, but van Dijk's injured now, so when he, and he's going to be out for the rest of the season. Do you spend the kind of money that Southampton would want, £50 million, on a defender who's been out for three months? You don't know what he's going to be like when he comes back. And the big problem, as you rightly say... Guardiola is an idealist. He wants his team to play in a certain way and it's got to be fantastic and free-flowing. Conti's a pragmatist. That's why he's 10 points clear if they win tonight at the top of the Premier League because he adapts to what he has. He didn't get the players he wanted last summer, but he worked with the ones he had, worked out a system that got the best out of them and that's why they're flying. United are the same under Mourinho. Mm. Do you see City winning quite comfortably at Borough, who seem... They have a real problem. They can't score any goals, can <laughs> you they? You can't seem to be scoring, can you? Mm. That's, the, that's the issue for them at the moment, and that's why they are now among the favourites to go down. I can't see them getting out of it, given the, the lack of firepower that they've got. Um, but in a cup game, you, I, would, I would give Borough a fighting chance. Actually, if you think about who, who might go through, if there is going to be an upset, maybe, maybe it might be at the Riverside. Their eyes might be on uh, Monaco, of course, so uh, we'll have to see. Mm. Oh, I think they've got no chance. <laughs> I'm, <sorry. Yeah. laughs> I'm clutching the straws, really. I, the form book says City are going to beat pretty yeah, much everybody yeah. at and the it's, moment. Because yeah, they're in such trouble, and yeah. they'll be in more trouble probably if Swansea win at Hull this mm. weekend, mm. and they'll then move away. And I think, Paul, by the way, Paul Clement's done an amazingly good <sighs> job there, isn't he? He's done a terrific job since he's arrived. Straight away, they've looked... You know, when, when you look at the Liverpool game, you know, on a one-off game, mm. as you rightly say... Anyone can fluke a big win. You know, big team underperforms, so-called smaller team turns up on mm -hmm. the day. Mm -hmm. They pull off a shock win. But what they've done is they've built on that. And they have all the defensive organisation that Borough have, but they can score goals. Lorente up front, obviously galvanised by the news that Conte's been looking at him at Chelsea. Yeah. <laughs> it's absolutely been flying. And I think as far as uh, Swansea are concerned, they'll be comfortably... He's nailed his signings, hasn't he? The left-back Olsen's been excellent. Carroll... It's just added that little bit of verve and vim in the, in the middle of the midfield. Yeah. So, yeah, he's, People he's forget now the impact Makaleli has had. You know, I, mm. I'd be not surprised if maybe a bigger club tries to pinch him. Uh, there's there's from, a good balance in that because you've got Nigel Gibbs, who came was with Brian McDermott for a long time mm. as his number two, was at Tottenham in the academy, a really good development coach. You've got Makaleli's experience and you've got Clement's modernity. But let's let's finish this okay. where we began with Arsenal. Yes, <laughs> Lincoln City. Yeah, they can't, can they? <laughs> I don't think so. But you never know. You never. Arsenal are not com not a confident side at the moment, and that and that will be something that the Cowley brothers will will look to play on. Um, from Arsenal's perspective, I'll tell you, I've played in the Premier League. I've played in every league down to non-league, and the, the one thing that will destroy Lincoln is movement. Mm. They're just not used to it in in the in the conference. Forward players, midfield players. The, the movement is just not on the same planet as you get in the top flight. So if Arsenal pass and move the ball properly, they should win this comfortably. But uh, if there's a lack of confidence, uh, Lincoln are good enough to exploit it. And in my view, we shouldn't see this as Premier League conference. I see Lincoln. If you stuck them in League One, they wouldn't get relegated. They're, they're a League One side from what I've seen of them. Mm -hmm. um, I, they're they're not non-league. What I'm looking forward to is seeing how that Arsenal defence deals with Reed, who's <laughs> old-school bruiser. He wound up Joey Barton like a treat at Burnley in the mm. last round. Mm. 
It, that's going to be worth watching, isn't it? It will be, uh, because uh, Arsenal, don't, they don't like it up them. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying not to use that phrase, but, you know, <laughs> it, 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 it's the truth. they got to get the ball first. What's also quite interesting, yeah. you know, about, about this match is that Wenger, remember we, at the last, at the end of the last mm. game in the post-match, we were talking about Sutton, and he talked about how impressed and surprised he was by the, the superior fitness of non-league teams. Yeah, yeah, that was interesting. And I remember when I started writing about um, not you know, this sort of FA Cup tie and the non-league teams, it was butchers and bakers mm. and candlestick makers or whatever else, and, and you know, postmen who sort of doubled up as you know, part-timers. Now these are players who once were at Arsenal, mm. Rory Deacons, etc., mm. etc., et mm. who were in non-league. They look after themselves a lot better. It was a shame that all the pie-eating nonsense overshadowed mm. uh, a group of players at non-league who really are taking their craft very seriously. And if people think it's going to be a walkover, as you rightly say... Well, they're full-time pros, aren't they? They're full-time mm. professionals, Lincoln. They've got an astute management team who will come up with a, with a game plan. They'll be really well organised. Um, Set-pieces, I think, are, are a worry for Arsenal. They don't want to give too many free kicks away inside their own half because this is a team that are, that are expert. Yeah. I was Liverpool almost scored a couple of set pieces at the weekend. The Rigi hits the post. I would say I would suggest that Lincoln are better than Liverpool at set pieces. And he won't, he won't field a strong side. He'll feel he'll, he won't field the A-listers for this team. Who he won't? Wenger. I, I think he'll. I think. I mean, I was at the Southampton game, uh, and, and he basically, well, but did very well. Walcott was in their game. You know, he he he'll field some of the fringe players in their game. I can't see it being a very very dangerous. Side. You don't want to mess around in the quarters. So, no. <laughs> so on that, your semi-finalists, both of you. I think Arsenal will get through. I think it'll be tough for them, but I think they'll get through. I think Spurs undefeated all season at home. They'll get through. City, I think. We'll get through as well. Chelsea, Man United. I think Chelsea. I'm going to go with Chelsea. Middlesbrough, Millwall, Lincoln. <laughs> I, can't, I can't do it. I look, it's going to be. It's going to be. I think it'll be Chelsea. Chelsea, Arsenal, City, Spurs. Well, how about this? The Manchester derby and the North London derby at Wembley on the same weekend. Lovely. Thanks for joining us here on the Football Writers Podcast. 